Broadway Radio's Tell Me More, I am your host, Matt Timonini. On Tell Me More, we strive to talk about projects and topics that don't often get covered on theater podcasts. On this episode, we are leaving behind the friendly confines of the Great White Way and venturing to Hong Kong, London, all points in between, and likely the high school just down the street from where you are right now. My guest today is the co-managing partner of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, Austin Titchener. A writer, actor, director, and producer, Austin has been with the RSC for 26 years and has been delighting high schoolers for nearly 15 of those as one of the stars of the complete works of William Shakespeare Abridged that was released on DVD in 2003. Having been in that show when I was in high school in the late 90s and having directed a production about 15 years later, I cannot begin to tell you how many times that I have watched that DVD and delighted in the simultaneous brilliance and absurdity of the show and its performances. Along with artist Jenny Mazels, Austin and his reduced Shakespeare partner Reed Martin have recently released a new book called Pop-Up Shakespeare. Yes, you guessed it. It is a pop-up book that in just five spreads tells you all about Shakespeare's life, all of his plays, his poetry, and much, much more. As I tell Austin in our conversation, it is truly a beautiful, informative, and hilarious piece of art and is a must-have for any Shakespeare fan, reduced or otherwise. Though Austin has been a member of the Reduced Shakespeare Company for going on three decades now, he was not, in fact, a founding member. So, to start the conversation, I asked him to take us through the formation of the RSC and how he was eventually brought on board. The, the Reduced Shakespeare Company was the brainchild of a guy named Daniel Singer from Santa Rosa, California, and he was a Ren Fair geek, and they had entertainment slots of like 15, 20 minutes, and, and he thought, wouldn't it be fun if we had a small group of Shakespeareans to do a small cast uh, reduction of uh, Hamlet? And uh, um, uh, very much inspired by Stoppard's Dog's Hamlet. And so he put together a group of five people or so that first summer of 1981 at the Renaissance Fair in Novato, California. And um, one by one, people began to drop out. Uh, and in fact, uh, the, the woman who was playing, Gert, playing Ophelia uh, broke her leg. And, uh, and Daniel called to Jess, one of the other founding members, Jess Winfield, and said, we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to cancel of the show um, because uh, Ophelia broke her leg. And Jess said, well, now I have a friend who's been watching and knows all the lines. And Daniel said, well, that's perfect. What's her name? And uh, Jess said, well, that's the thing. We're going to need a wig. <laughs> and that was Adam Long, who were the, those three guys, Adam, Jess, and Daniel, are, are, are commonly referred to as the founding members of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. And they are also the authors of the complete works of William Shakespeare Abridged. And so then that they did Ren Fairs, and two years later in 83, they did a, a two-man version of Romeo and Juliet because Jess said he was done. And then a couple of years later, Jess said, wait, I want back in. And, uh, uh, and they decided they, they, were, they had done two of Shakespeare's plays, and friends said, well, you should do all of his plays and take it to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And they said, well, we've done two of Shakespeare's plays. There's only 35 more. How tough could that be? Uh, <laughs> and they took the, they premiered the, the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged at the at Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 1987, thinking that would be the swan song of the company, when in fact it generated so much international interest that they started touring around the world and, uh, and then started 
tour in this country. They added in an intermission. They added the whole audience participation thing in the second act, the the, the psychological deconstruction of um, uh, Freudian interpretation of Ophelia's psyche that uses the audience. It became a two-act show, and they began to tour it in this country. And then around 1989, Daniel Singer decided he had had enough, and he had always wanted to work as an engineer as an imagineer for Disney and oh, he yes. got a job and he got a job doing that. And so he said, I'm done, I'm leaving. And so they asked uh, Reed Martin, who Jess uh, and I had gone to University of California, Berkeley with, we were all in the drama department th- there together. Reed had gone on to get his MFA in acting at, at uh, UC San Diego and then had t- gone to clown college and toured with Ringling Brothers for two years. <laughs> I did not know that that's perfect. It's- so he, yeah. Also, he was a minor league baseball umpire for six months. He took some time off from Cal, took a semester off. So he's a minor league umpire, and he can tell you, you guys are baseball nerds. You, he, yes. you guys could talk forever about this. Uh, so he joined the company in '89, and then in '92, uh, the the guys had just opened up an open run at uh, the Arts Theater in London, and uh, and just decided he was tired of doing it, and, uh, and he decided he was going to leave. And so he and Reed thought of me from the drama department at Berkeley, and uh, Reed called me up and said, so Jess is leaving, and do you want to come and come over and play Hamlet in the West End? And I said, well, I'm going to have to, okay. <laughs> uh, and, so, and he said, I don't know whether this is going to be a three-week three gig, a three-month gig, a three-year gig, or what. He said, I don't know how long this is going to run. And that was 26 years ago. And um, Reed and I have been running the company, the RSC, since 92. Um, Adam Long was with us until about 2001, after the DVD of The Complete Works of William Shakespeare, Abridged, came out. Um, And uh, Reed and I have (laughs) written every show, every script and radio show and book uh, and TV pilot since then. That's that's a lot of writing because for people who don't know, you have a lot more than just uh, the complete works of William Shakespeare Bridge, and we're going to get to some of those things. But you mentioned that DVD, and I just can't tell you how many times I've watched that thing over the years. I did com- the complete works when I was in high school, which I guess was not too long after you guys uh, after you joined. I think it would have been about 1997. Then I directed it about five years ago. So I've seen that DVD so much. So just the fact that I'm talking to you now, Austin, is wildly mind-boggling for me. So just for the hours and hours of laughter, I, I need to thank you and, and Reed and Adam and everybody else and Jess. Uh, it really, this is one of my favorite shows, and, and a lot of that has to do with seeing that DVD and you guys perform it. So let me get that out of the way first. Well, that's very nice of you to say. Yeah, it's a it, it's it's a huge privilege to have been asked to join the RSC. You know, it's a it's one of the great lessons. Which you know, stay in touch with your college friends, <laughs> uh, and you'll get. I, you know, I had I had got my MFA in directing, and I was running a theater in New Hampshire, and I left that to come to Chicago because my wife was starting to uh, tour and perform with Second City, and uh, and I, I came to Chicago, and I went, oh my God, I just left the best theater job I'll ever have, <laughs> and then thankfully Reed called me. Um, and, and also we hit it off. There was, you know, there was, we, we shared a sensibility. I had been one of my first assignments in, in uh, directing in the MFA program was to reduce much ado about nothing to five minutes, wow. you know, 
directorially, what are the story points? What are the key moments? What are the character beats that you need to tell that story? Uh, and then I had been doing I'd been doing children's theater in New Hampshire for the during the eighties, and uh, I needed scripts. So you bet I did a fifty minute version of um, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream and The Tempest and Much Ado About Nothing. Um, so I've been so I had been reducing Shakespeare even before I joined the Reduce Shakespeare Company. But then weirdly, when I did join in ninety two. The, the company was very, very popular in England, but not quite so popular anywhere else. And so we wanted to we, we wanted to create a show. We wanted to reduce something else. We were becoming a one-trick pony, and it was a good trick, but, you know, we needed yeah. something else. And, and so we said, well, what do Americans take as seriously as the Brits take Shakespeare? And we said, ourselves. Yes. <laughs> so we wrote The Complete History of America, Abridged. Um, and uh, uh, got a Valentine review from the New York Times, Stephen Holden. I will always love him. Um, got We p- performed at the Kennedy Center uh, w- for an initial three weeks, but that sold out, and we kept extending until we played for an entire 12 sold-out week at the Kennedy Center. We got on NPR for the first time and started making that a sort of semi-regular thing, and that be- that got us more famous in this country, and people began to understand that Shakespeare is not the most important part of our name, Reduced is the most important part of our name. So, yeah. you know, so then we reduced all these other scripts that you were talking about. And, and I'll say this, too, because I can, because I didn't write it. Uh, you, the Complete Works is is like our, our contemporary Harvey or Arsenic and Old Lace. Hmm. It's, it's the play that every high school does. Yes. Um, and, uh, and I'm thrilled to be associated with it. And I, 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 it's so amazing to meet people who've not only seen it, but done it. And not just once, but a couple of times. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that if you pull up you know, the, the listings of high school, what is it, EDTA says, these are the shows that every high school in the country is doing. It's almost always on there. And it's one of those things that I think it, you mentioned Harvey and Arsenic and Old Lace, and those are classics and everybody who loves theater should know them. But I know so much more about Shakespeare in general from this than any theater class that I ever took. You know, I like I can pull up basic plot points for a lot of shows or character names that even though you don't get into serious detail in a lot of them in the show, it still gives me a, a pretty basic knowledge. And, and I remember recalling them specifically in the script just because of how well written it is and how well performed I've seen it done. Yeah, no, it really is great. It's a great introduction, and and I think one of the things it does best uh, is, and I and I hope it's something that we do for all the subjects that we tackle, is to encourage people to to come at a subject uh, with a bit of a reverence, and uh, not not I guess not over much reverence, you know, because you you, you want to look at things sort of passionately but clinically you know to be able to take things apart you want to ask questions you want to not just assume oh well it must be done this way i can think of a subject whether it's shakespeare or history or all the great books i can think of it in a different way and uh, and I, I i yeah i think that's one of the great legacies of of that show and hopefully our scripts yeah well you in addition to the complete works of william shakespeare you've abridged comedy america the bible books christmas hollywood sports western civilization and then the most recent show that you did is kind of i mean it's 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 in the same vein but it's a kind of a departure from these taking a big idea or a big umbrella of a, of of a topic and then condensing it william shakespeare's long lost first play is while you do somewhat condense a lot of Shakespearean ideas into one script, it is something kind of unique and and of itself rather than just the traditional reduced formula that you guys have have honed over the years. 
Um, yeah, that was, and that was part of our goal. I had been, you know, when I, in between sort of RSC scripts, I had written a couple of other scripts because I was, I was eager to start or return to writing shows that were more dri driven more by narrative than by vaudeville. And so we, in, we, we had taken baby steps towards that purpose in all the great books abridged um we we spent the last 15 minutes reducing war and peace um and the second act of completely hollywood abridged was a complete story it was a ridiculous story but it was a complete story uh from the from beginning to end for all of that too so that was 45 minutes and then we took this uh, we took a tour of the folger we got a private tour of the of the vaults at the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington D.C. in 2010, and uh, and I recorded it for an episode of my podcast. And, mm -hmm. and it's my, a good episode. And, oh, you've heard it. Okay. Yes. Well, at the at the end of that, my wife asked, "So, if they were make, if you were writing a Da Vinci Code movie about Shakespeare, what would the treasure be?" And the head librarian there said, "Oh, for me, it would be finding." A, a script in Shakespeare's own hand, an original manuscript, which none of those exist. And so we left the building and I went light bulb. I mean, so many light bulbs went off over my head. Uh, and I said to Reed, we should write that. We should write his, his a long lost play. And it should be his first play. And it should include every famous speech and every character he's created. And he said, and it should be a hundred hours long because he didn't know how to edit because he was still a young playwright. And that was our goal, and that was our motivating force, and so we wanted to find a story, and, you know, we went back to the complete works, because we didn't want to repeat that. The complete works, like all of our shows, is a, is really a sketch show with a theme. All of our shows yeah. are, are kind of vaudevillian variety shows, but they, they, they have this patina of, of story and character arc. And we wanted to create something that had a legitimate story, and we come to realize that, that that Shakespeare has so many famous characters, famous, well-known characters, that the complete works do, don't even mention, like Puck, hmm. Ariel, Falstaff, uh, Richard the Third. Now, Richard the Third gets a mention. That's uh, I think that in that. the football scene. Yeah, in the football scene. Uh, Lady Macbeth, um, Rosalind, Kate, Beatrice. Uh, Juliet uh, definitely gets a mention. Um, there were just so many characters that we could uh, we could use from the Shakespearean canon, and so we created the story that of uh, of, this, of an ancient of, uh, an ancient rivalry and merry war twixt Puck and Ariel, and it's their it's their combative relationship that creates a sort of sorcerer's apprentice catastrophe that can only be fixed by the arrival of a great wizard, the greatest wizard of all, who, spoiler alert, turns out to be William Shakespeare himself. You guys have this huge collection of shows. The, like you said, uh, Complete Works of William Shakespeare Abridged is kind of the the most, the one that you're most well known for. But I know this long lost first play, um, you've been touring with that a lot, and it's getting productions, like you said, now in Prague. But the Reduced Shakespeare Company is not just you and Reed. There are other members. Um, our mutual friend John Schwab, as I believe, is a former member um, right. as well. So um, how does that? How does the whole company work? I mean, you have people in different parts of the country, and if they someone books a production there, you know, the UK team goes or the US team goes. How does that work? Well, it's. I think we're like the Marines. So Schwab is, you know, once reduced, always reduced. Gotcha. Um, uh, yeah, we have a. Um, we have 
we have the U.S. company, and that's Reed and myself. Reed and I are the owners of the company and the co-artistic directors, and we write everything and we cast everything. Um, but there's only there's always three of us on stage, and there's only ever three of us on stage. So and 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 we only we have all these comic archetypes, and one of my because I had just come uh, to the British Shakespeare Company from having run a Lord C Theater in New Hampshire. Uh, the, the the late lamented American Stage Festival. I was used to working with a company, uh, with an administration, with a, with a season, um, and so I said to Reed that very first couple of weeks I was there. You know, this could be this Richard Shakespeare Company thing could be could be a company of people. It doesn't need to be just these three guys at that point. Me, Reed, and Adam. You know, it could be a company of guys doing uh, a, a number of scripts in a kind of a house style um, and have more than one production going on at, at, at any one time. And once we began to have more shows, Adam didn't like that idea until about nine, four years later in 96 or 95, I think, when uh, when he was living over back in England. But he wanted to keep working, but not tour around the world. He went, you know that idea you had? <laughs> um, what if I and two other guys were to tour in this country? And we went, yeah, great idea. So it's sort of there was an RSC US and RSC UK. Adam was sort of supervised it over there. Um, but they had, we had a producer over there, and then we produce ourselves over here in the States. Um, and then that just uh, – Adam's production turned out to go into the West End for all just over nine years, almost 10 years, ran at the Criterion Theater, the Complete Works of Shakespeare, the Complete History of America abridged, and the Bible, the Complete Word of God abridged, ran in repertory at the Criterion Theater in Piccadilly Circus for over nine years. And um, and also toured. So they had a they had a stable of like twelve to fifteen actors who who knew any combinations of the shows. That came to be the thing over here as well. It started in sort of the late nineties when um, I had my wife and I had our first kid, and I didn't want to be touring quite so much. And uh, so uh, so we started auditioning and hiring other actors. And as it happened in both countries. We kind of went through, grabbed our friends. <laughs> we grabbed our friends from college and from theaters where we'd worked and said, you want to come play with us on the road with the Reduce Shakespeare Company? And then we ran out of friends. And uh, and we had to start auditioning uh, for people, and um, we're always looking for those comic archetypes. Uh, going, I, I think of it as is commedia archetypes. You know the the the, sure. the stern the stern the stern enforcer the capitano the um, the deluded the pompous intellectual the uh, il dottore uh, which is me and uh, the arlecchino the id the man child the innocent. Um, so we always look for those three comic archetypes, and we're also looking for actors with improvisational chops or improvisers with some acting chops. Uh, that's the ideal. I mean, the ideal is you get you know a fully trained, fully trained uh, Shakespearean actor who can sing and, or at least harmonize, play a musical instrument, and can improvise if necessary. Um, but our scripts are very scripted, uh, and they're not improvisational. Although many people ask us. How much of that was improvised? And we say, well, 27%. No, very little of it is improvised. But we want to, like any show, you want to make it look like it's happening right then. Yeah. And I think particularly for comedy, um, that's that's a true thing that's been working for us. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of juggling sometimes. This fall of 2017, for instance, we have uh, four shows 
touring to three countries, and I think we've got 12 to 14, I can't remember, I'm losing count, 12 to 14 different actors and three stage managers taking those shows wow. all over. Yeah. The reason we're actually talking um, is not about either acting or running a theater. It's actually about a book. Uh, and I know uh, you and the Reduce Shakespeare Company put out a number of books, but this new one is very different. Um, uh, Austin, I- I've got to tell you, when I got it, I was like, man, that's kind of kind of a thin book to be going over all of Shakespeare's plays and his history. Then I open it, and this thing is a magnificent work of art. It is a pop-up book that has more information on it than I've ever seen um, in a lot of textbooks, let alone in pop-up books. So this is, um, it was illustrated by Jenny Mazels. Is that, am I pronouncing that correctly? You are. And so how did this come to be? Because it's, it, it's kind of, it's similar to the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged in a lot of ways, but I don't think this started with you guys, did it? No, it started with Jenny. Uh, uh, Jenny, um, tweeted to me out of the blue about four, three or four, three or four years ago. And she said, Hey, do you have an email address? I'd like to send you, I'd like to send you an idea. I promise I'm not a weirdo. And <laughs> I, and that's so how I went, Jenny Mazels, Jenny Mazels, that sounds familiar. And I, and I Googled her and I went, Oh my God, I've got four of her books. Oh my, Really? And, I, and I already and I'm looking at a couple of them now. Grammar, the Great Grammar Book, the Universe Book, Pop Up London, and Pop Up New York. And and I said I've got four of your books, and I've given Pop Up London as housewarming presents three or four times. Wow! I I know exactly who you are. What's up? And she said I'd love to do a Pop Up Shakespeare book. And I went, um, we're in, we're in. And so it was uh, it was so such a great idea on her part, and her art is so magnificent. I mean, I just look I mean, I love all of her books, and she does cards and she she hosts online sketch clubs and in-person sketch clubs, and she's just phenomenal, and she's a really funny person. She said she was a, had been a fan of ours. She had read our previous book, which came out in 2006. It was, uh, re- it was called Reduced Shakespeare, The Complete Guide for the Attention Impaired Abridged. And published by Hyperion. It's still in print, thankfully. I think it's even in paperback now. Uh, we wanted to call it Reduced Shakespeare, The Complete Guide to America's Greatest Living Playwright. <laughs> but the publisher thought that was too subtle, so we went with what we went with. But in any event, she said, I've read your book, and it's hysterical. Could you write something similar to that? For in, in the pages of a pop-up book, so it's not it's not really based on on the complete works. It's more based on our orange book, the Reduced Shakespeare, the Complete Guide, um, and it was just a great puzzle of figuring out well, what can we talk about? Where can we squeeze it in? What's going to pop? What are the flaps going to be? Where? How do you how do you organize it? Actually, the organizing aspect of it was the least difficult because basically. It's the first spread is all about the world of William Shakespeare and the the, the, the two major places that he lived, Stratford uh, upon Avon and London. And then we then spread two is all the comedies. Spread three is all the histories. Spread four is the romances, 
which are the subcategory of comedies that are um, re really, it's easier to call them romances than to call them what they really are, which are tragedies with happy endings. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about The Tempest, The Winter's Tale, Cymbeline, um, Pericles, and Two Noble Kinsmen. Um, but we also include on the romances page Shakespeare's poetry, his sonnets, and his long poems, many of which are romantic. Uh, and talk about his life as a poet, and then the big, the big uh, coup de théâtre on the final spread is all of Shakespeare's tragedies. It's the spread with the most plays, the most pops, the most sort of um, um, action. There's a, there's a, there's pop-up dueling action between uh, <laughs> Romeo and Tybalt. Um, uh, it's it's so much fun, and 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 seems not. I mean, not only fun, and I'm glad to hear you say that there was so much information, more information crammed into it than you've seen in textbooks, but also just it was. It, it seems to be perfectly to be to speak commercially for a second. It seems totally on brand <laughs> with what the Reduce Shakespeare Company do yeah. to reduce Shakespeare down to the pages of a pop up book. Who is this book for? Is it for people who love Shakespeare and want to say, oh, that's really cute. That's really funny. I mean, do you envision it for kids? Who does this type of thing appeal to, do you think? Because I got to be honest with you, I feel bad closing it every time because I don't want to crumple everything. I know I'm not going to, but I feel <laughs> bad closing it. It's a little I, – I, I almost feel like it's delicate and I don't want to destroy it. Well, it's interesting that you say that because Jenny has already said to me, oh, you just – it's only the grown-ups that worry about destroying the kids. Just get in there. And they play with it. They rip it. They tear it. They have fun with it. They they make it their own. And and so it's being uh, – to answer your question, it's really for everybody. I mean I think you, you, you know kids come for the art, but they stay for the poop jokes. Um, uh, grown-ups come for the art, but they stay for the informative stuff stuff um it was it was really our attempt to not to not just reduce shakespeare but to share our enthusiasm for him to others and i i i i i'm i'm hor enormously gratified that theater people and shakespeareans the ones who've seen it so far have loved it as much as they have but i'll be really gratified if kids go wow this sounds really cool i want to I want to see more of this. You know what? What? What is this taming of the shrew? What is this comedy of errors? What? Midsummer Night's Dream. The the guy turns into a donkey. What? <laughs> Let's go see that. And then, um, and we urge. It's the last line of the book. Is a congratulations on how much people have now made it through. But it's also we urge the reader to go out now and see some of Shakespeare's plays on the stage because that's where he really should be. Uh, encountered. I guess. Hope. I guess. Hopefully, we've Jenny has created five little stages on which we have uh, been able to illustrate his entire life and works. Yeah, and she's created these stages, and they're, they're gorgeous. There's castles. There's, you know, there's all these different. Uh, it's it's really gorgeous. So I'll, I'll maybe I'll put some pictures up on our social media and in the and then the the in the show notes so people can see what it looks like. But they should go out and get it because it's it's really an impressive piece of art, let alone all the information in it as well. Well, and Jenny told me afterwards, because I did a podcast with her, um, she said, she said, I just wanted to, I just wanted to have a text that was really funny, laugh out loud funny. And I went, oh my God, I'm glad you didn't tell me that beforehand. <laughs> that, that would have been so much pressure. I said, did we do it? She said, oh my God, yes. I, yeah. I read it. I laugh out loud reading it. You know, I can't tell anymore. I just go, well, I, it's amusing to me. I <laughs> hope it's funny to other people. Um, but I want, you know, that was the challenge. You know, how do you describe some of these plays? 
guys. Um, also, how do you how do you tell the plot of say Measure for Measure or a couple of the other more difficult plays in 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 we're using a vocabulary that's age appropriate for youngsters? Um, so that was a challenge too because we want it to be we wanted it to be age appropriate so that grown-ups get what they can get out of it but the language or the ideas are not so challenging that ki- that parents would be afraid to show it to their kids yeah I, I I think you got it I think you guys nailed it it's it's uh, it's really fantastic but uh, you mentioned that you talked to Jenny on a podcast you uh, are the host of the RSC's podcast and I, I know a lot of times you talk about the tours that you guys are doing and, and talk with people in the different venues that you, you play and stuff. But oftentimes you get outside of, of the world of Shakespeare and talk about other pop culture things. And a lot of it ties back in. But I know there are things about you that are not just reduced Shakespeare related. So um, outside of that, I you have been a, 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 a had guest spots on some of my favorite television shows of all time, whether it's Gilmore Girls or The West Wing. And, and I love kind of uh, seeing those images pop up on social media occasionally, you'll throw one up, and I and I love that every time. But um, I think one time we spoke recently, you've got something non RSC related coming up this fall. Am I remembering that correctly? Um, yeah, you are. It's yeah. This which this is the thing that came out of the blue, and I've always. I mean, I. You know, I, I love the Reduce Shakespeare Company, but, you know, there are times where you want to do other things and stretch other muscles and, or also let some muscles lie fallow. Um, so, you know, when I'm doing an RSC show, I'm I'm acting, but I'm writing, I'm directing. Sometimes I'm going, oh, we need to find a different actor for the next tour or something, you know. Uh, I'm thinking about things that are, I'm thinking about four or five different things when it would be fun to just think about one thing. So, um, so yeah, as you said, I've done some, uh, done some acting work. And what I love about the acting jobs is that I just show up and as Spencer Tracy says, <laughs> learn, you know, say my lines and don't bump into the furniture. And, uh, it's, uh, and all the other stuff is somebody else's problem. I got cast in a production of Lauren Gunderson's play, The Book of Will, which is a <laughs> lovely... Do you know the play? Well, I, I, I know enough about it to know that even though it's not reduced Shakespeare, it's still Shakespearean tangential. It's absolutely Shakespearean. It's absolutely in my neighborhood. <laughs> we are playing in the same ballpark. Lauren Gunderson has written this really funny uh, and sweet comedy about the creation of Shakespeare's first folio, which was, of course, the the first collected works of Shakespeare's plays published in 1623, put together by uh, two of his former acting colleagues, uh, uh, John Hemmings and Henry Condell, and uh, uh, and without which we wouldn't have Twelfth Night or Macbeth or Much Ado About Nothing and a handful of others, which were never published in quarto during Shakespeare's lifetime like some of his other plays were. So it's the first appearance of these major, major works. And somehow, Lauren Gunderson figured out a way to turn it into a, a theatrical comedy. And it's it's and I read it earlier this year uh, because some friends are I, I have friends who work at Oregon Shakespeare Festival and they're doing it there next summer and they had the script and they said you got to read this it's like, you'll love it. And I do, and I did, and I do. And so when Northlight Theater here in Chicago uh, reached out to me to see if I wanted to audition for it, I went, yes, absolutely, please. And uh, I'm going to be playing Richard Burbage himself, <laughs> uh, Shakespeare's leading actor, the man who originally um, played, who was the first, the original cast, he played Hamlet. He played <laughs> Richard III. He played Macbeth. He played Lear. 
he was the first guy to play these amazing roles. And the thing that I've always been interested in is, yes, Shakespeare was a hell of a writer, but he was writing for a hell of a group of actors. And hmm. no, Hamlet is as interesting a role as it is because Burbage could do all those things. Same with Lear, same with Macbeth. You know, he had the fools in his early plays behave the way they do because he was writing for an actor named Will Kemp. The fools in his later plays became a little more melancholy because now he was writing for an actor named Robert Armin, who was less physical, uh, had, did, did, had fewer of his own vaudevillian tricks that he brought. Um, I'm, fa you know, I'm fascinated by Shakespeare going, right, I've got just the right boy who can play Cleopatra or Juliet or Beatrice. Mm -hmm. um, and this play touches on that a little bit. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. Plus for three months, uh, I'll be getting paid to act and I'll get to sleep in my own bed at night, which is a, a huge treat. I, I would imagine that with all the touring that you guys do, getting able or being able to do something at home is, uh, something that doesn't pop up as often, no pun intended pop up that doesn't happen <laughs> as often as you might like. It's true. No, it doesn't. Um, that was the best part. What we, I lived in LA for 15 years and when I was doing television out there, it was it was great because not only was the money amazing, but it was you know I got to go home and sleep in my own bed at night, and and tuck in my kids, or at least not tuck them in, but wake them up in the morning. Well, I will get you out of here in just a second, so you can spend more time at home before you're heading out of town again. But I got a couple questions that I'm yeah. not sure that you will be able to answer. Maybe maybe you can. The the one that I've always kind of wondered: Do you have a favorite Shakespeare play? <laughs> uh, my joke answer is my favorite Shakespeare play is Comedy of Errors because it's the shortest. Shortest. Yeah, that's in the pop-up book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, right. And that, you, you could also use that for Macbeth because it's the shortest tragedy. Yeah, okay. um, do I have I, – I don't. I don't really have a favorite play. I mean my favorite Shakespeare play, my favorite RSC play is the one I'm working on right now. Uh, I, I'm, I, I, have a fond, I have a fondness for plays that I think are underrated. Like Richard the Second hmm. or Pericles, um, um, I have yet to see a production of The Winter's Tale that convinces me of that play's value. <laughs> well, did, um, didn't didn't Judy Dench just do one recently? I would imagine if someone's going to do it, uh, Kenneth Branagh directed it too. Like that seems like that would, if anyone's could do it, it would be Branagh and Dench. Jew to the D Dench. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, maybe. Hopefully, that would be the one I have to see. Um, uh, I, I don't, I don't really have a, an answer. Okay. I mean, uh, well, honestly, <laughs> I guess what the the real answer is probably William Shakespeare's long lost first play abridged, <laughs> because <laughs> it was, it was, you know, like for instance, I love the character of Falstaff, but I'm not crazy about the plays that he's in. Yeah. I mean, Henry the Fourth is Henry the Fourth one and two are great. One is better than two. But it's not really about Falstaff, you know. Um, Merry Wives is, is not as good of a play as I want it to be. Uh, so to see him uh, in in Shakespeare's Long Lost First Play Bridge doing the things that he does is was really fun for me for to get to the meat of that. Similarly, I love Viola in Twelfth Night, but I'm not crazy about um, Orsino. I I just my feeling is my feeling feeling is you get the best actors to play um, Olivia and Malvolio, and 
viola, and so then you get your third or fourth or fifth choice to play Orsino, and it's never, there's a love triangle there where one corner of the triangle is never as strong as you want it to be. So, and I love, and I, but I love Richard III, so what happens in Shakespeare's first play uh, is that he pairs viola with Richard III, and they use a lot of the, they speak a lot of the dialogue that, that, he then later figured out he must give to Viola and Count Orsino, or Duke Orsino, excuse me, uh, in Twelfth Night. But it's just, it's more, uh, for me, it's more interesting to see Viola and Richard play that scene than it is Viola and Orsino. And also in, for, in Shakespeare's first play, um, um, he wasn't a, an old enough, wise enough, smart enough playwright to know that you needed to make Richard III a bad guy or you'd get sent to the tower. So in his first play, he made Richard a kind of really nice, sweet guy. And and since he cannot prove a lover, he is determined to prove a vaudevillian, and he sings a song on the ukulele. Okay, I, you've got to come down here to Florida, Austin. I've got to see this. You've got to find a way to do it down here because you guys haven't been here in a long time. So uh, I, I'm going you need you, anyone who's listening in Florida, book them here to come do this, please, for my sake only. Please, please <laughs> if, if there are any theaters left in Florida, oh. we would love to come to them all. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so uh, going from there, while I think that actually complete works uh, might actually be the right answer here, we're going to leave that out, but an actual Shakespeare play that would be the perfect way to introduce a theater fan who has not yet kind of fallen in love with Shakespeare, what would be the best introductory play to either see and or read? Well, it depends on the production because not all productions are sure. equal. Um, but there's a reason that Midsummer Night's Dream gets done all the time. Uh, it's a very uh, and Romeo and Juliet are both great introductions to Shakespeare, and it's definitely better to see them than read them. Absolutely for sure, and, uh, uh, and I would say you know Game uh, not Game of Thrones. I was going to say Hollow Crown, the Hollow Crown series, oh, yeah. which has a Game of Thrones feel to it. And in fact, I think the success of Game of Thrones encouraged these British producers to think, oh wait, we could do the history plays and give it a sort of uh, the epic quality of a Game of Thrones. Uh, I think that's a great introduction to uh, his place, particularly <clears throat> their Richard II. Branagh's Henry V is terrific. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I love Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet. Many people don't, <laughs> but I do. Um, and I think, I think it has successfully turned on a generation of kids to uh, the plays. But yeah, it's always better to see, see it on stage or on, on film, to see good actors being well-directed, Playing the text as it was meant to be played. Shakespeare never meant for his plays to be read. They were only meant to be said. Uh, and, there, and, and, and I've come to realize it's really terrible that all of his plays are called the complete works. Because work is hard. Plays are fun. I never thought about it like that. I like that. That's uh, that's interesting. Re real quick, what did you think of the Joss Whedon Much Ado About Nothing from a few years ago? I liked it at the time, and the, the, the more I think about it, the more I don't care for it. Hmm. Um, uh, I just, unfortunately, I just didn't think the, the central couple of Beatrice and Benedict were yeah. co as compelling as I wanted them to be. However, Nathan Fillion as Dogberry oh. and uh, Tom Lank, I think, as Virgis, they were hysterical. So much better than Branagh's Much Ado, where Michael Keaton, there, it's, it's amazing they had a, any scenery left standing with all the chewing <laughs> he was 
Michael Keaton was doing. Um, uh, one thing I did, did I did think that Whedon got right was. Um, Reed Diamond as Don Pedro. Don Pedro, a role that you don't remember much ever, um, but it's a really significant, important role. And and Reed Diamond's direction, apparently, he told me, again, I talked to Reed on my podcast, he said, <laughs> Josh said, just keep pouring wine for everybody. And the constant inebriation of the characters in that story explains a lot of the decisions and actions that get made. That's a uh, very good point. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I didn't think I didn't think he cracked the the stuff near the you know the stuff where where Claudio turns on Hero, and um, and then Hero is rejected by everybody, including her father. Um, I didn't buy it. I don't buy it. Not only did, did I not buy it in the movie, I don't care for it because it's a comedy, and I want to still like my characters at the end. Yeah. Um, even I mean, if not like the the villains understand where they're coming from but you know we're 400 years on from women being property uh and chastity being a measure of a man's honor uh we're 400 years down from that so uh, that's not a thing that i accept or buy anymore and i don't think joss cracked that i did however because i did a director production of much about nothing (laughs) and we did crack that uh, well now you've got to tell me how well, I said I, it was. It, it, it's a production I first did for fifty minutes with my children's theater back in the eighties, and it worked at fifty minutes for an audience of mostly five to eight year olds. <laughs> and and I'd wanted to do it ever since last spring, earlier this spring of twenty seventeen. I directed it at Pacific University in Oregon, and the premise is is that I set the the action of the play in a nineteen fifties high school. Basically, uh-huh. it's Rydell High. Where in one corner of the school they're singing about Grease Lightning and did you get very far uh, last night? And on the other corner of the school they're speaking um, Shakespearean verse and prose. And so the soldiers of Much Ado About Nothing are in fact the football team. Um, he- Hero and most of the girls are the cheerleaders. Uh, Beatrice is the uh, uh, is the campus brain um, or the HBIC depending on how you play her. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, and and uh, Don Don John is a greaser named Donna John. Um, so she has she is dispossessed by virtue of being second born and a woman in the fifties. And the way we, we the also the way we cast it is that we turned Leonato into Leonata and made her a mother. And so when Claudio accuses Hero of being unfaithful, her mother doesn't automatically buy into what Claudio is saying. And we change some of the lines. So in the real play, Leonardo is absolutely ready to dismiss Hero and call her a slut. And the priest says, well, hang on, wait a second. Let's let's think about this for a second. Well, we changed it slightly so the priest is prepared to accuse her of being a slut. And Leonata is saying, hang on a second, wait a second. I won't hear my daughter accused like that. So and we didn't change the lines; we just reassigned them, and gave it a different spin, and gave Hero much more agency, and made every lover in this high school on the, you know, subject to their hormones. So nobody nobody thinks less clearly than as <laughs> Shakespeare proved in Romeo and Juliet than a bunch of teenagers in love. So you understood Claudio 
going, he's just had his very first girlfriend and he thinks somebody else has taken her. And he's really upset because he doesn't know how to process this. And Hero, we, I just cast this woman who was just terrific and so strong, and I and I and she was just she took no BS from her Claudia. So you 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 at the, you came away at the end of Much Ado About Nothing. You're always kind of worried about well, Beatrice and Benedict are together, but is that going to last? <laughs> you're not really sure. But the one thing you were sure of is that this hero is going to be absolutely fine. <laughs> I would love to do that production again somewhere else too. Yeah, we need you to just do everything all the time, Austin. Everywhere around the country, just do do everything Shakespeare-related, and, and I think everyone will be happier for it. From your mouth to God's took us. <laughs> oh, very nice. All right, well, okay, I will put all of your social media stuff and your podcast link in our show notes, but is there anything specific that you want to guide people to? Uh, our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, has links to all the social media and and uh, our pod, uh, the, our archive of podcasts and information about all of our books and all of our shows and who to contact if your theater wants to uh, book uh, book us or if your high school wants to um, stage one of their script our scripts or um, if your professional theater wants to stage one of our scripts. Our contact page has all the information on who to get in touch with about um, that stuff. It's a it's a it's a a great central meeting place for if you're looking for all things reduced reduced shakespeare.com thank you for listening to this episode of tell me more my name is matt tamanini you can find me on twitter at bww matt and you can reach out to broadway radio on both facebook and twitter at broadway radio we will have all of the contact information for austin and reduced shakespeare as well as a link to purchase the book in the show notes at broadwayradio.com. Tell Me More is produced and edited by me. Special thanks to the man without whom none of Broadway Radio is possible, James Marino. And shout out to former, er, lifelong Reduced Shakespeare member, the host of the Great Curtain Call podcast, and author in his own right of the companion book, my friend John Schwab. Thanks again for listening, and remember, if the while I think on thee, dear friend, all losses are restored and sorrows end, always get that second scoop, and when you get the chance, ask people to tell you more.